Hi, everybody. Today I'm speaking with Amalia. She grew up in an economically modest household and was raised by her Cuban mother. Now Amalia recognizes she's her mom's safety net and is already thinking that in the future she might have to support her financially. But just preparing to talk to her about money and finances and planning ahead is a daunting task. Let's get into it. My name is Amalia and I identify as Cuban-American. I was born in Cuba and immigrated at an early age to the United States, and I have lived in most of my life uh, in Miami. I call my parents mommy and papi. So I'm an only child. My mom and dad uh, divorced when I was young, shortly after coming to the United States. I have always lived with my mom, and even from an early age, I was sort of like my own parent at times. I would, you know, clean the house, make sure I was getting good grades, because my mom would be working a lot to pay the bills. Growing up, I would move almost every single year because we couldn't afford rent. We didn't have a lot of family in the United States, and every single person in my family could be characterized as working class. And even now, my mom lives paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I financially support my mom now because I have the means to do so. But in the past, my mom has had a lot of debt and has been through like a bankruptcy and having her car repossessed. And even several times we've gotten close to having her home foreclosed. My mom didn't talk about money a ton except for, we can't afford this. We can't afford this whenever I would ask for most things. I can imagine it was painful for her to not be able to give her child everything that she wanted. Um, when I graduated high school and I turned 18, you know, I knew that I had to get a job and I did. had a part-time job while going to college. And as soon as I turned 18, I applied for credit cards because my mom couldn't do so. We would use the credit cards to supplement paying our bills because our, like, our paychecks couldn't cut it. And that's when I started to feel that pressure of supporting my family because no one else was there to do so. So just, you know, last week, her fridge broke and she was all, she's already living paycheck to paycheck. So I offered to pay for her electric bill, which would be equivalent to the monthly like uh, bill of paying off that refrigerator over three years. I am worried about my mom being an immigrant. You, my mom already came here and she was 32 years old. She was already late in the game and accumulating that social security and she couldn't get an education in Cuba. So she came here, had to take care of me and then continue to work kind of jobs that didn't require a lot of education and don't, didn't really pay as well. And she didn't have time to pursue education or, you know, any kind of like advancement to earn more income. If she needs like an extra thing, I'm always there. I, I help her without a second thought. I'm a planner and, you know, I live with my husband and we have a budget and I go through every single purchase we make every single month and keep track of everything to, to save money. And so I started thinking long term about my mom's finances and that's when I got to that realization that really kind of 
when she retires, even at 67, she's still going to have to pay her mortgage for several more years. And her retirement savings and her social security will not be able to cover her living expenses. We will have to help her financially. And that's, that's stressful because I'm, you know, my husband and I, all, we grew up low socioeconomic status. Uh, we're pursuing higher education um, to further our, you know, economic opportunities. Me and my husband know we want to have kids. And it is so, so stressful to think in the future, you have a lot of pressure of, you know, making it in America. You know, I don't want to have to worry about money while I have kids. I've seen how that has affected my mom and at times my relationship with my mom. So when we're both only children, so we really are carrying the burden of making sure that our family is not falling to financial ruin and also providing financial literacy to our parents so they can make good decisions. So like payday loans are advertised widely as something that people can do and it's fine, but then they charge you these really high interest rates. And I had found out that my mom was taking payday loans because she couldn't make ends meet at one point. And I felt so sad that she couldn't tell me about that. She could have simply asked us and it, you know, she could have paid us back. I probably would have insisted she didn't pay us back, but I am scared of bringing up the conversation of finances and financial planning with my mom because it I just I'm scared of I'm scared of her thinking she did something wrong because it it's not her fault she did the best she could when she came here and she took advantage of the resources that she had and so then I it's up to me and my husband to know the financial literacy pass that on and plan our family's financial future and just kind of confront the inevitability of having to feel not financially stable yet again and in the future. Amalia's story is so familiar. As first gens, we often have financial opportunities that our parents could not have imagined for themselves. And that is a blessing. A blessing that sometimes comes with a very real sense of responsibility and a certain level of pressure. And talking about money can be difficult, especially when it involves talking with our parents about their financial decisions. To help us out, I called in an expert. My name is Anandyai Conte. I'm a certified financial planner, financial advisor, and the founder of Dare to Dream Financial Planning. I am also the host of the First Gen Realness podcast. Uh, my whole mission in life is to have more women and women of color have more money and do better with their money and have the freedom that that buys them. So, Anna, you heard Amalia's testimony. What did you hear as you listened? I heard something that I come across so much, um, issues of really just balancing, trying to do better for yourself with also honoring your parents and your family and ensuring that you are, you know, paying back all of the sacrifices and the things that they've done for you and really honoring them for that. That was the message that really came through to me. And it resonated so much, too, because I was raised by a single mother as well. I resonated so much with that on a personal level as well. 
you have this wonderful term, first generation wealth builder. I now proudly consider myself one of them. But Amalia is clearly also in that group. Can you talk to me about the characteristics of these first generation wealth builders? Yeah, um, this is a group of people that I'm super passionate about helping. These are most of my clients, right? What I find is that they are usually first-gen Americans, but not necessarily. A lot of times they are at the very least the first in their family maybe to get a higher education, to get those professional terminal degrees, right? Lawyers, doctors, Mm -hmm. pharmacists, um, to really hit a new level of income and financial stability that that brings in their family. What they usually struggle with is being the family emergency fund, having the um, the honor and the stress of, you know, being the one who really understands how to navigate the systems, the financial systems, the education systems, the governmental systems, whatever it may be for their family. And so they are trying to build wealth and financial stability, you know, prosperity for themselves while also trying to balance the amount of support, financial, mental, emotional for their extended family as well. First gens like Amalia, and especially because she's a daughter, are often already bearing the brunt of the emotional translation that has to happen in a family. But now we're adding the complication of money into it. When you deal with your clients, what's your advice to them in terms of how they can prepare themselves emotionally and also financially to be able to have even an entry-level conversation with their family Yeah. The first step that they have to take is really to sit with themselves. And if they're married, like Amalia mentioned, she's married, to sit with your spouse and decide what you want to do, right? Like really understand from an emotional standpoint, from a financial standpoint, whatever resources you're looking at and decide how much you want to give so that when you are giving, you're giving from a bountiful, joyful, willing place and not necessarily from a place of Um, you know, obligation, right? Once you understand what you're able to do and what you're willing to do, then you can approach your parents, right? And say, okay, you know, I caution everybody not to approach it. Um, And I think Amalia mentioned this, you know, she doesn't want her mom to feel like she's pointing fingers and saying, you didn't do enough, right? Or you didn't Mm -hmm. do this well, right? I'm, I'm the first person to preach that, you know, we really have to look at what our parent, how far our parents have come, right? Um, and not judge them by the same yardstick as, you know, our white American peers that have been here for four generations. It's different. They have a different experience. And so, you know, approaching it from, hey, you know, mommy, papi, I'm working on my finances. I really want to do better for myself and my kids, right? I want to give my kids better. As part of that, you know, I love you and I respect you and I appreciate everything you've done for me. I want to make sure that you're okay too, right? And so as I'm doing this, can we talk about you know, what your plans are and how I can help you with that. We can find ways to work together to make sure that you're able to live the life that you want to as you're getting older as well. All right. So thinking about that older dash of, you know, put your life vest on first. (laughs) What are some of the things that the first gens should have in place before they even attempt to support or help a relative? At the very least, you know, there are basics. I'm not an absolute person, but you want to have, first of all, you want to have a plan. First and foremost, right? You need to have a plan. Even if you're not where you want to be right now, 
How are you going to get there? When are you going to get there? Having that clarity is super important. You can work with a financial professional or create a plan on your own. That's totally viable. Secondly, I'd say, you know, your emergency fund, your retirement investments, at the very least, even if you don't have those fully funded to the way you want to, you're making progress towards those. You're contributing those to those month in and month out. Thirdly, you know, having the boundaries, right? Understanding either which family members you're going to support and which ones you're comfortable supporting, what type of expenses you're willing to contribute to, just having that clarity on what you're willing to do is just so important. Okay. So on the other side of that, what are some of the must-know components of your relative's financial situation so that you can really help them? Yeah. So you want to understand what their income situation is, right? If it's a, a current need that you're trying to fill and what the shortfall is, if there is one, right? If their monthly income is $3,000 a month and they need $4,000 a month of expenses, like the shortfall is $1,000 and somebody has to come up with that, whether that be you or, you know, some expenses need to be cut or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to manage them. Maybe it's a social services thing, but having clarity on that is really important. If it's a future need, right, you want to look at what their assets are, if they have any retirement savings, if they're eligible for Social Security, if they might have a pension in the future. Once you have those numbers, then you can plan for what the future needs are. And, you know, for my clients that have parents that might be okay right now, they're working, they don't need any support, they're okay, but they anticipate that their parents haven't saved much for retirement and they're not going to have much to work with once they stop working either by choice or, you know, because their health necessitates or, you know, cosas de la vida, as we say, life circumstances. It's very important to ensure that you are planning for those longer term eventualities. And that can be a few things that can be investing. You know, I'm a big proponent of family emergency funds, investing in an account that you have access to, a brokerage, a taxable account, or, you know, like I'm doing, I'm buying a multi-generational house and saying at some point, mom and dad are going to move in. That way, I know that they at least have a roof over their head and they're good that way. In immigrant communities, a lot of our parents work, quote unquote, under the table. And so there's a lot of income that was never taxed, that was never reported. And so in many instances, a social support system like Social Security is simply not available. So if a first-gen wealth builder like Amalia realizes, wow, there's no way to make up for 20 years of unreported income, what is a breaking case of emergency thing that they absolutely have to put in place? You know, in that situation, depending on her mom's age, this might be the kind of thing where you say, hey, ma, you know, I know that you've been working in this job for a while and it's been paying you good in cash, but maybe if you have 10 years minimum left in your working career, I think it makes sense to try and switch to a job at least part time so you can get the minimum social security benefit, right? But if that is not an option, I'd say beginning to save in retirement vehicles is really important. And it can be a really interesting thing for people to do if their parents have a while left working, right? Saying, okay, you know, you have $6,000 or $7,000 available in an IRA, a traditional or a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. What can you come up with that you can contribute on an ongoing basis? You got six years left working. 
let's try and do as much as we can. Maybe you as the child, if you're financially able and willing to, can match them, right? Um, Say, okay, mm. you're going to put $100 in a month, I'll put $100 in a month. And that way mm. you have a couple of years worth of savings. Now, it, it might not cover all of your parents' needs, but at the very least, it's able to be a part of money that can provide something. Right. All right. So two last questions. Any online resources that you can recommend where people can read up on some of the basics of long-term financial planning and then any places where people can get some of the information? Like, for example, I pull my social security statement every year at the same time that I pull my credit report. What else should first-generation wealth builders be doing for themselves and for their parents? Yeah, um, that's beautiful. And that's a great practice. I'm going to steal that. In terms of sitting down and saying, okay, what happened with my money doing an audit? What happened with my money last year and doing a comprehensive review? You know, I recommend having a net worth statement and tracking that every year, right? You group together everything you own, your bank accounts, your home, your retirement accounts, any asset that you have, you take that number, then you add up everything you owe, your student loans, your credit cards, your car loans, your mortgage, you take your assets, you subtract the liabilities, and that will give you your net worth, right? There's a lot of softwares that you can use to do that as well. There's personal capital, there's Mint. Um, you could just do a spreadsheet if you want, like whatever works for you. But it's a really powerful way to stay motivated. And I recommend people do that at least once a year. Um, in terms of resources, there's so many resources now, which I just love. There's a few podcasts I recommend that are wonderful. There's Her Dinero Matters. That's wonderful. It's, and there's English and Spanish episodes, which I think is really cool if you have parents that, um, you know, feel more comfortable speaking in Spanish. There's a Yo Quiero Dinero podcast as well. There's the Minority Money podcast. Those are three that I recommend people go to because it provides digestible, easy to understand, relatable information, right? Because it's it's one thing to listen to somebody who doesn't understand your life experiences talk about personal finances. And there's a completely different thing when the people that are talking to you have walked in your shoes and they understand. Bravo. I love it. Anything that I have not asked you that you think is essential to know, useful to know, as folks like Amalia prepare to have these really difficult conversations with their parents? The one thing that, and this isn't necessarily personal finance related, but I always recommend my clients do this Having that grounding perspective, right? And one, not judging yourself, not being angry and frustrated and really sitting with this, whatever the situation is, whatever the outcome is, that is just the most important part. And also not measuring yourself by your friends who might be more affluent or, you know, their parents don't have these struggles. Like your family situation is your family situation because of their lived experiences, your own lived experiences, and also the past is the past. El pasado, pasado está, right? You can't sit here and say like, oh, they should have done that. They should have done that. It doesn't help. You learn those lessons and you try and do better going forward. And I'm sure that your parents would agree that they would like to do better going forward. Anna, you are a gift. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Juleka. This is so fun. All right, let's recap what we learned from Anna. Take your own inventory first. Before even starting a conversation with your parents, analyze your financials and get clear on the kind of help you're truly able and willing to give. Track the net worth. Calculate your assets and liabilities. Calculate their assets and liabilities. Then track those every year. 
Doing so will help you set goals and plan accordingly. And remember, lo pasado, pasado está. The past is in the past. Keep the conversation productive and relevant by focusing on next steps and going forward. Thank you for listening and sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williamson Co. Virginia Lora is the show's producer. Kojin Tashiro is our mixer. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Jen Chien is our executive editor. I'm the creator, Juleika Lantigua Williams. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week. <laughs>